fucking deep. I like it. Put it in deep. On the right side, Atkinson walks in, slap shot, hits traffic, comes right down in front, another save, then there's a score! You know his name, it's Matt Duchesne! He buries a power play goal, and the Blue Jackets lead 2 to nothing. You know, getting pucks deep, bring the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's shipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, here we are, Pucks and Deep, episode 32. This podcast is as old as I am now, Lesko. It's pretty impressive. But nothing is as old as this house that we're sitting in right now. No, this is a relic, man. This is a pretty cool farmhouse setup you got here. Like, major upgrades here for the Coleman's. Are you having a hard time over there? Well, I don't know. I was just going to cut it because, like, I can't even fucking hear myself. But we just spent so much time figuring it all out. We spent a lot of time playing with everything as if we got it for the first time again. Like, we'd never used any of this equipment. Just because we set it up, we felt the need to make some major adjustments and <laughs> play with all the knobs on the board. Well, yeah, I mean, I keep turning down... I kept turning down. You were turning down the headphones <laughs> and not the music, and that was really screwing with you. <laughs> I was looking, man, the look on your face was so good, too. I look over, and you're just all wide eyed looking at me like, what the fuck's going on right now? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was great. Thank all right. You. Okay. It's episode 32. We're on location here, uh, new location. I just moved into a, a farmhouse. That's basically the, the cause for the confusion here. But yeah, like, one button or one knob, like you said. I didn't. I didn't touch all of them. I, I made some adjustments earlier, and I thought it was a good thing. I still think it, it is a good thing. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, here. you guys will tell us if it sounds <laughs> shitty or if there's too much background or echo or something. But change of venue here, but the show remains the same. It still goes on, pucks in deep. You uh, found the place okay. I did find the place okay, and I guess one of the good things about this is you're far away from the goddamn river. Because uh, for those of you that are local to us or have been reading the news at all, this uh, crazy amount of flooding going on here right now, um, pretty much everyone on the Ottawa River is sandbagging. Uh, I know my commute to work just got way worse because of the uh, Petawawa Bridge getting shut down. So basically the main bridge that goes from the town of Petawawa to the military base has been shut down. So you got about, I don't know, 15,000, 17,000 people, they say, use that bridge every day. And so combine that with people employed at CNL, you got like 20,000 people now going one road to get across the county to work every day. And I think it took me like 45 minutes, I said earlier, to go six kilometers. So that really sucked. But a good thing is I'm dry because I know a lot of people aren't. A couple of my coworkers had to evacuate their homes oh, uh, over this past everyone. weekend. So it's... Uh, Pretty shitty out there, but kudos uh, to all the people out there working hard, sandbagging, keeping people safe and keeping basements dry right now because we're not really sure when it's going to come down. I mean, it's pouring ass rain right now. I know. It seems that they figured it was going to peak last week, but it's gotten gotten higher since then. Yeah, I mean, and apparently it's supposed to be getting worse as well too, right? Like it's already exceeded the... What is it, 2017 levels? Yeah, it's, it's significantly time? higher. And I mean, I've heard people much older than me say this, but I had been saying myself that I hadn't... Uh, the Petawalla River itself, I've never seen that high. But you definitely tell it was coming because all that water comes from Algonquin Park and all those lakes are frozen yeah. still. They're just thawing out. There's still snow in the bush. So yeah. it, it, you can see why it keeps uh, getting bigger. And then plus, what do we... Rain like 70% of April, I think, here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was luckily I was gone for a little bit of it, so that was nice. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy here, man. Like it's it's sad to see like all the posts that you know on social media and stuff. People like boating away from their houses with all their stuff and like just trying oh, yeah. to save important things. And like it's an actual disaster for sure. Like it's a total disaster. It's state of emergency around here too. Yeah, full uh, state of emergency here. 
you know, you're definitely not being granted uh, water coverages if you didn't have them on your house policy. Yeah. Right now. Oh, so. and well, and those uh, when they open up that disaster assistance as well, it's not available to you if you if you have a cottage. Like if it's a second property, government tells you to go fuck yourself. Basically, oh, you really? Yeah, they mm-hmm. don't. So you can't apply for that if it's a second property. I think mean, if it's your house on the water, you can you can do it. That's all. I don't know if that's just an option in lieu of using your insurance. Like you apply, but whatever. Um, pretty terrible though. Hopefully the rivers start going down, and uh, you know they can keep the situation under control but it just goes to show you man nature's fury when she wants i mean you know we love we love the natural environment that's why we live here but you know those rivers they'll swell and they they'll take out anything in its path you know it's almost strange to think about how it works its way like naturally from the earth like because at one at one time the ottawa river obviously wasn't as big as it is and i don't mean like right now i mean like normal levels right last summer or something it, it obviously wasn't that big before. It just naturally it gets bigger, does it not? It would have to naturally just... Well, it's always eroding, right? Yes, it, and that's what I mean. It's, and, it's moving. I mean, they so. try and... It's dammed, too, further upriver, and so they try and moderate that, but the northern melt has to come down. They have to release that water down here. So, right. I mean, there's a lot at play here. I'm not an environmental <laughs> scientist or geologist well, or whatever, like but... Um, well, yeah, I find it interesting anyway, like how it all works, the drainage basin or you know they call it but right far from hockey though i guess because uh if the river was frozen we wouldn't uh, be having this conversation would we yeah no if there was right. actually ice which just melted what like last week i want to say yeah there, well I, I, there's still snow around oh yeah i mean we'd probably to our southern based listeners listeners we sound like we're in the fucking northwest territories right now <laughs> the way we're talking we might but, as well be it fucking snowed yeah. today oh it did for a little bit I was I I was all pissed off about the rain. And I saw it was snowing a little bit, and I wasn't sure if that was any better. Unbelievable! Worst spring ever. Yeah, worst spring ever. Starting with the Leafs. Yeah, and starting the, with the Leafs, and probably continuing. if you're a fan of like, I would figure most big market hockey teams. Like, if you're the NHL right now, are you a, a little bit bothered by the current uh, teams that are remaining in the playoffs? And it, don't get me wrong, it's great for these small market teams. They need the money more than anybody, right? right? <clears throat> but is the NHL a little miffed from the ratings point of view, I guess, because you don't have the Washington Capitals versus the Penguins that they've had the luxury of having every other year. Obviously, the Maple Leafs, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that you know lots of people were probably tuning in to see just because they were such a spectacle to watch all season long. And also because of the pools. Everyone that even oh, yeah. is a non-hockey fan has a bunch of Tampa Bay players in their pool. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, shout out and embarrass my old man right now. I'm pretty sure he's he was all jacked up with his hockey pool. He's got like two or three guys left. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about it on the pod or not, but <clears throat> excuse me. One of the uh, one of the pools I did was just kind of straight up and down the snake, but you, have, you had to redraw for every round. So I had, I had really average to less than average draws for every fucking round so i'd ended up either getting someone from a decent team that's kind of good or just stockpiling opportunities elsewhere so i have a ton of colorado and a ton of st louis oh okay so i'm like in fifth i think and i'm like six points behind first and first has a bunch of columbus players so like you know there are a couple of teams that for some reason went with a wild card option yeah. or another team and they're coming out pretty strong right now and let me answer your question which was along the lines of if i'm upset that it's different well, did you or think generally- the nhl like and and i guess we can get to it from a fan's perspective as well just because i mean it, it creates good stories especially when underdogs are making it and i can latch on to that as a, a hardcore hockey fan but i don't know about the casual fan like is that as attractive to them and what do you think the nhl thinks well i think in certain aspects, mostly uh, mostly Carolina with a bunch of jerks, okay? I'm getting at some of the franchises. I would say the Islanders as well with their building changes and the John Tavares thing and the Barry Trotz thing and worst team in the league defensively last year, best team in the league yeah. defensively. You know, there's something. And, of course, that they're in the tri-state area. There's just a, a, a millions and millions and millions of human beings there. There's going to be interest. Mm-hmm. Those teams have a little bit of a storyline going to them. So the Don Cherry, the the 
whoever you want to call it the you know of 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 the north the canadian hockey icon all of the people in the states they don't even know what hockey is but they kind of know who don cherry is right then he comes out and calls him a bunch of jerks it goes off we talked about it before they yeah they marketed they marketed it, yeah. the hell out of it and they're now, still using it you know they did the skull clap they did all these things and now they got rod the bod in there and like you know they're they're going places and they're doing things so they got a bit of a storyline i think a a bunch of people can can hop on that wagon easily and then again with the Islanders, a lot of changes, a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, negative expectations around the team. And then obviously, how many goals did their highest scoring player get? Like fucking 23? Right. <laughs> I don't even know if that's right, but I think it's close. Like there was no one really that was lighting the lamp there like crazy. No, and not at all. they just managed to do it all year. And I mean, they're playing tonight, right? They got to win tonight to avoid going down 3 nothing. It's It's on the road. We're talking about the bunch of jerks. What if Carolina wins tonight? How do you not storm surge? I, I mean, if they if they win the series, like fucking do it, man. I we said it when they when they uh, we discussed them ending it. I said if they win a series, even I was like, I would, I'd be all for them busting one out. Like, what if they sweep it? Fuck, like you gotta. <laughs> and it, it was interesting to think about Amazing. this going into the second round too. It's like picture this is that either Carolina or the Islanders is going to be in the conference finals and if you would have told me that six weeks ago I would probably laugh in your face but it just goes to show you man that it's just it's playoffs baby right it's that unpredictable you gotta throw out the book in the playoffs and it's just if you get outworked over seven games or four games or whatever you're gonna lose it's just just the way it is. And you look at all those teams, and I think Colorado's another one I'm latching on to because McKinnon, oh. so far, he's got to be my MVP of the playoffs. Just, I mean, he's the next-level player. We talked about he's definitely top five in the NHL, without a doubt. Um, and, like, you don't realize, too, I, that building was empty for a while. They've sucked for, like, probably 10-plus years, like, since Joe Sackick retired. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that mean, was a long fucking time ago. Yeah, man. And, I mean, like... I don't know if you were watching the the game in the third period there the other night. I guess it was last night. Yeah, it was last night when McKinnon uh, got the pass as soon as he came off the bench there and just came in and scored. And then Couture or Logan Couture scores immediately after to right. regain the lead. Like that third period was super exciting, and the way McKinnon put the Jets on there and buried that one with a ridiculous snipe show, top cheese. Like, it was absolutely insane. And the Selly wasn't even a Selly. Like, he was just like, yeah, top He was show. business. He was all business. Top I, show. I love that. Where I put my own fucking jam. Yeah, and, and like, definitely got a uh, shout out to Logan Couture, man. That guy's an unreal playoff performer. He's an unreal player to begin with, but it always seems to get it down in the playoffs. Uh, saw some stats out there today. He's got 93 points in 106 career playoff games what? 43 genos 50 apples and that's I insane i would have never guessed that yeah so and the other tidbit on that stat was uh he played 43 play or he has sorry he has 43 playoff goals since the start of 09 10 and that ranks second in the nhl wow who's never won though in that time frame right of course who is oh i'm asking you oh i don't know i i i lost you halfway through so <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even stay tuned for the whole thing, eh? <laughs> Fuck, eh? <laughs> I couldn't get over the 90s. The 90, was it 93, 93 and 106? And 106. I, I, honestly, I was just marveling at 93 and 106, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I didn't hear your next part. Like, I was kind of factoring in how incredible that is on a playoff level. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So like then what was your next part? Okay, so the next part is, he, it says his 43 playoff goals since the start of 09-10 ranked second in the NHL. So during that time frame, he has the second most goals, playoff goals. Without winning. Well, was no, it, it's was just... your kicker, right? No, it's just 43 playoff goals since 09-10. Oh, Ovi. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah of course. Right? Like, I mean, there'd only be one guess. <laughs> I knew you would know the answer once you paid attention to yeah, the question. Sorry. Is, is, okay, um, I don't want to go off on too much of it. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but just quickly, is Ovechkin the best goal scorer of all time? Uh, we had this discussion before, didn't we? Or is it Bossy? I no, like, it's it's definitely Ovi over Bossy. I liked Bossy. Yeah, but I get, and you know what? I I I find these discussions difficult to have because I didn't see Mike Bossy. Yeah, play. me neither. So, but I look at his stats and they're ridiculously. They insane. are ridiculous. But he also played on a 
uh, Dynasty Islanders club that won it. What was it like six out of seven years or something sure. crazy? Like they sure, were. But those are variables, though. I guess so, but I mean, how many goals would Ovi have if he played on a Islanders type <laughs> dynasty like that? Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're um, right. There's some stat inflation. I'm not trying to take you're away right, from though. Mike Boston right, and his ability 50, to score. 50, 60. I just, I, I'm one of those, uh, I'm not normally the kind of guy that's like looking at stats and using that to make my decision only. But when I look at the, like at the DB stats for bossy, I'm just blown away. No, they're ridiculous. At the consistency as well, though. Yeah. And, and, if then, you look and at, then done. Injured, done. Sorry, Mike. Thanks for coming out. If you look at the um, performances over the years by those Islanders teams, they were either winning the Stanley Cup or in the Cup Finals. Every goddamn year, they were that good. All right, so let me listen. Let me let me keep rolling for a moment before you move us along. Yeah. Let me keep rolling on the whole markets, uh, the markets thing, uh, with you know which teams are in the playoffs right now and and etc. Because it's none of the major TV markets outside of Boston. Right, but what right do you? Now. How do you feel about that personally? How do I feel about it personally? I I think I go back to what I mentioned earlier, and that I I really and I always have in any sport that I'm watching. I latch on to underdogs all the time. I'm one of those people that's like, I love a good, you know, um, upset story, a comeback story, or whatever. So like, I think there's that's a natural. lot of there's a lot of teams right now remaining in the playoffs that I I feel I got a bit of a soft spot for. You know, like Carolina is a good example, and you spelled out what their story has been like. Um, I've always been a fan of Jamie Benn in Dallas, and I've always thought they've underachieved, so I'm happy to see them make it a dent. Oh, yeah? I'm I've, liking St. Louis. I there. personally like St. Louis because I because uh, I think they can do it. Like, I think they're capable of winning, so like they're kind of like my front-runner type pick. Yeah. Um, Colorado, like, again, a young team, an underdog coming into the playoffs, and, you know, watching McKinnon play is phenomenal. So there's a lot of stories that you can cling on to. And, you know, if I didn't fucking hate the Islanders so goddamn much, I might be able to buy into that too. Fuck them. <laughs> I like Barry Trotz. Oh, screw their fans though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so let me let me, let me get to my point here. Sure. The, the Canadian markets. I want to talk to you about how Canadian markets have pressure behind them from their Canadian fans and everyone is, associates Canadians with hockey. And there's a reason because it's very much like Americans with their football. It's very religious almost. Right. So, and the, the, the main reason why I'm bringing this up is have you been watching like intently to some of these games? Namely, Not really. Namely the most recent Columbus game. Not really. I've been, okay. I've been casually tuned in. So let me tell you these fans are having the time of their lives. Like, they are fucking standing, for one, almost consistently. I noticed that in Game 4 against Tampa Bay. Almost that. consistently fucking standing up. And you know what? I, I noticed this last night looking because across the, or I guess two nights ago, I don't know, yeah, two nights, whatever. I'm getting my nights mixed up in the move here. But... I paid attention to the fans on the other side of the of the ice, right? Like where you could actually see their the fronts. And there were like some people were standing and just some people weren't. And it led me to get to the conclusion that the fans are so much different, I believe, in the states than they are in Canada. The fans in the states are showing up to fucking party and drink and watch a fucking fight maybe and see this guy take a slap shot in the face <laughs> mark frazier <laughs> i believe it was uh lucci just slap shot it caught him right in the head yeah. done for the year almost done for his life he was on uh, you know? tsn radio yeah that's why i brought it up so like they they show up to see those things and at the end of the day if the team doesn't win they don't really give a flying fuck about it at all there might be like four or six thousand of them in the building that are like devastated but like you know fourteen thousand of them don't care and they I, had a great time i think what you're saying is true of like the newer market teams like and i would say this also in the terms of the teams that haven't had a lot of recent success namely columbus and carolina where they're like i mean columbus fans have the time of their life they just won their first series but like you have these other fans in the states uh good example would be the islanders those fucking fans are harsh 
I mean, they're not just harsh on visiting teams, but they're harsh on their own team. Yeah, it's true. For years. I mean, weren't they taking billboards up about Gar Snow there <laughs> yeah, not yeah. too long ago? I yeah. mean, that's not a that's a passionate group of fans, and it probably harkens back to the, the dynasty days where you, you bring people in, and they're just they're diehards, and you get used to a certain level of success. But in saying that, I think those less mature markets, you see them having such a good time and enjoying the ride because they've never experienced this. Right, And I really, I really bought point. into that with the Nashville Cup run. Even though Nashville had, had a lot of playoff action over the years, man, that it just it, for the growth of the game, it's like I don't care where it is, and I'm happy to see hockey succeed places. Vegas is a good example because I was definitely one of those guys who was like, Hey, there's another team in the desert. We're a good, good call, NHL. Yeah, good but it's call. amazing. But it, it's it's worked out fantastically, and I'm happy to see it. And I'm happy to see it's not just oh, tourists are buying tickets in Vegas. That they're they're getting homegrown local fans. I wish we had the podcast when Vegas became a thing because I was just oh, I was all all about Vegas. Like I thought it was a great idea. Like I, I can see that it was a good idea from a, a sponsorship marketing standpoint. I just. I was worried it was going to be another fucking Phoenix, Arizona yeah. debacle. But here's why. Specifically specifically as it relates to Vegas. And I, I, I appreciated the fact that I'm not sure if anyone you know, in the media released this kind of angle. So I was glad. I thought I had an original idea. I'm sure everyone thought of it anyways. The fact of the matter is that you have people from all over the world coming to Vegas to party and looking for free tickets to a fucking Cirque du Soleil show and whatever the whatever they want. Like, whatever you want, let's go do it. Let's go do it. It's going to be amazing. So now you bring in, like, what's their capacity? Let's call it 18.5 no or 19,000, whatever it is. And you get all of them in there and you give them fucking T-shirts and hats and all this shit. And then that leaves the arena and goes back to where they're from right so now you are injecting your team so you're almost exporting the, the exactly the sport a little you're bit exporting yeah. hockey like a little Vegas. international exposure and in i've place never like been Vegas. to a hockey game in my life before i've seen it on the highlight film sometimes in my in my bachelor apartment in china or something <laughs> and then he or she flies over goes to vegas has the time of her or his life and goes to a, a Knights game and brings it back and is all excited to tell stories about this and that, you know, and it just, it helps, uh, I feel like it just helps stimulate interest in the game at a, maybe a minor level, but either way, I think it still works for the league. It's it's interesting that you say that too, because that's been a big angle for the league over the years is international growth and growth in, you know, huge untapped markets. Um, you know, that's why they play those games in China last year. They played those games in Europe. They've been doing that for years. Right. It's all about growing the game and getting that international exposure. So it's, uh, it's, that's a pretty interesting angle to, uh, to look at the Vegas situation yeah. from. So give me a closing argument on that final idea here with the markets. To those of you that are listening that for some reason, I feel like if you're listening, you're definitely watching the playoffs, but for anyone, and I think there's probably at least a couple that I know who maybe listening but aren't watching because they're just not interested they don't even really care to watch but they like the podcast i'm talking to you caner uh watch you got to tune in because basically let's go what i'm saying is anyone that has a minor rooting interest in like any sport that's like exciting and close and could go either way and you can feel the atmosphere from the fans tune in to one of these games because the fans down south of the 49th are on another level and it's because they don't care about their team whereas we actually bleed our team and we get so fucking angry and depressed when they lose for some reason and the americans generally they're just not like that you even talk to philly fans the only philly fans that are like that rich i'm talking to you bud are north of the border. Do you think so, eh? I think so. You're not going to find... I know... Or, 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 so you think they're the not as like, emotionally invested? Like, they're more, like, having a good time casually? Like, they're more casual fans, but, like, you're talking, like, the hardcore fans are the ones who are more likely to be, say, disgruntled? Yeah, of course. Of course right. I think that. And uh, it ties in with what you were saying about new markets because the thing, the thing is, is you're going to see people here around Pembroke with Calgary Flames hats and shirts on, and they're legitimately Calgary Flames fans, and they might not really have a reason why, nor do they, nor do they need a reason why. They cheer for the Flames. They're nowhere near Calgary, but they cheer for the Flames. You're not going to see that in the States. You're not going to see a guy from Dallas wearing a fucking 
St. Louis Blues jersey walking around town. If he's a fan of hockey, then he's a fan of the Dallas Stars. Right. Whereas so they, you see like a national letdown when the Jets lose, when the Canadians lose, when the Canucks lose, when the Leafs lose. There's yeah. fans from all, all over Canada are certain fans of those teams. There's only a few of us, man. I guess uh, as well in Canada, you know, the majority of the Canadian teams and whenever, you know, whoever's being successful, obviously there's a disproportionate amount of national coverage for Toronto, but... Um, you know, if you're the last Canadian team in the playoffs, especially like you get, you know, the majority of the playtime, the airtime, the commentary time on the sports channels. So you're, you're under that national lens, but I don't think if the Columbus Blue Jackets are making a run to the cup finals that in LA, you're going to see it on ESPN or something. Yeah. I think maybe the hockey coverage is, and maybe just because this has more to do with the level of popularity of the sport in general in the States, but it might be, uh, I think the coverage is more regional if, uh, than it is, say, up here. And if we're if we're bringing it onto the ice, I think it. I don't think that that shit helps any of the Canadian teams because when I see like it's if it's two one uh, St. Louis and they're in Dallas, the the fans are on their feet from the eleven minute mark in the third. And they will not stop. It is relentless cheering and fucking the big fucking drum and people banging on the glass. Every time the players are in the fucking corner, they're banging on the glass. You can see he's holding a pint, (laughs) banging on the glass. Like they don't do that in Canada, dude. We all sit on our fucking hands because we're nervous and we're like, we shouldn't act like we do when we're at home or if we're like guys like, you know, yourself and and myself, maybe we should because we're vocal, we're loud. But even when, like when we're down and it's nerve wracking, Canadians don't take that very well. I don't think. I think it's very unsettling and you sit there and you're quiet about it and you're, you're, you're waiting for something good to happen. You know, whereas again, like I said, those American fans, they're just like, fucking let's go. Boys. More, it's like, it might be more cheering too to pump your team up. Cause like a good example would be, uh, the leaf situation in game six that went down in the first period. Fuck with, it took the life of the building, man. Everybody's so quiet. And it's like, shouldn't, shouldn't you? And I, and like, uh, tough criticism to level on the f- crowd there because it's usually not you know the greatest in terms of how loud it is. Agreed. Um, but granted, they, they were roaring, they were rocking. That building was crazy at the beginning of Game Six. But in a situation where maybe you should be cheering to fire your team up a little bit, we don't. We don't because we're like you said, we get nervous, nervous and we're just like, oh my god, or like even I've been in situations where it's you know a three two lead or something, and like <laughs> I'm not super excited about it. I know. <laughs> I know, and that's what I'm, I'm. I'm trying to promote so that if anyone's like hasn't tuned in, like next time it's whatever time it is, maybe nine thirty, almost ten o'clock. It's probably the third period, late, and it, if it's close, fucking throw it on because regardless of what's going on, that home team is really bringing a lot of excitement, and you can hear it in the broadcasters' voices. Let's go, like how they'll just—they're like yelling after a goal or something, you know, like if it's Pierre Maguire or Eddie Olchek or whatever, they're like yelling, you know, that was an amazing ball back check. You know, like they're just, they're screaming because you can't even hear yourself down there. I would love to be a fucking part of that. I'd be the guy between the glasses. <laughs> between the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That'd be, a I don't know why I pluralized that there. I like it. There's multiple um, sheets. Well, I wanted to bring up this uh, interesting stat um, going back to round one. So, um, and the reason why I'm saying this is uh, I want to get into the whole officiating issue and kind of what resulted out of the first round. But before um, San Jose had that penalty call on Pavelski where they got the five minutes, uh, five minute power play, um, they had a 1.19 chance of winning that hockey game. 1.19% 1.19% chance. Someone put bet, put money on it. Well, I hope someone did. For sure. I would love to hear about it if somebody cashed out pretty good on that. Because, like, fuck, you'd be all jacked up just seeing that, that power play called. And then they go and fire off that many, end up winning an OT. But I just thought it was kind of cool to see um, if anybody pays any attention to moneypuck.com. They'll often post this stuff. Sometimes in-game they'll say, like, so-and-so has this percentage chance of winning this game and uh, or winning the series at yeah, yeah. this moment. And they'll do it sometimes even in between periods. It's just kind of interesting to see how things 
fluctuate based on the score and do they give any uh like shout outs to any odds or odds makers or anything like that no i think they're just as uh like should i think they're just like a probabilities and uh they need they need to hook up with they they probably should or maybe maybe they already have and i just haven't you know, noticed on their website. I just follow them on Twitter and see some of the charts. Think about the foot traffic. Think about the foot traffic you'd get in there because you'd say, "Hey, right now, right now, if you throw fucking three dollars yeah. down and it happens, you get four hundred. It'd be good, like Everyone would instant do advertising for for the online bookmakers. Yeah. But I also don't know what their advertising thing is because a lot of those are on the that in that um, legal gray area yeah, as far yeah, as yeah, 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 yeah. operations, like. Um, I don't know, like you see those apps and stuff where you can do all the in-game stuff, which is, I think, illegal still, but nobody knows because nobody cares anyway, so. Gray area. <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, so anyway, the referees who made that call in that game are done for the playoffs. So they're, and the NHL actually reached out to the Golden Knights and apologized to them over that call. Now, I can see why they did it just because of the, the, um, I wouldn't say that they were a direct result because like we mentioned last podcast, you can fucking kill it off and they didn't have to give up four goals, whatever. But because it was so consequential and at such a pivotal moment, it ended up changing the outcome of the series. Potentially, I can see why the league felt the need to do that in that situation. Um, Very interesting, though, to see that they've actually decided to remove those officials uh, from refing for the rest of the playoffs, which you lose on, on quite a lot of money, I found out as well. Eighteen five, wasn't it? About was, is it eighteen nineteen? I think it's 000. like eighteen nine thousand a y- series. Yeah, U.S. per series. Yeah, yeah. like per, per, round, per round. I think they can make. Yeah, if they code, if they do a certain number of games. Um, another interesting tidbit on refs uh, missing out as well as the referees from the Boston Toronto game two. Uh, if you all recall, the one that had. Uh, some shitty penalties and then a whole lack of uh, non-calls, I guess, uh, and what culminated with this Kadri Kosh check in the head. Uh, those referees as well are done for the playoffs. So. That game is going to go down in the archives for like twenty years from now when it's when it's a when it's a you know classic Leaf game that they'll throw up on the NHL Network at two a.m. On, so? on a Thursday. That'll be one. But of the usually, games. isn't it ones with good outcomes that they post for that shit? Not well. It was a good outcome for the Bruins, I guess. But I mean, good outcomes for the Leafs. <laughs> well, no, NHL Network is actually. I was saying NHL Network. US I was thinking based. the ones they used to play on Leafs TV. Man, <laughs> it was all the classics. <laughs> I'm not talking about Leafs TV. <laughs> all the good ones. You fucking biased uh, bastard. Well, I don't want to fucking watch. <laughs> I don't want to watch fucking old playoff games where we lost. Like. Yeah, but there was that one time on NHL Network they had the Stumpy Thomas game five overtime goal okay. in 2000. Okay, well I'll watch I've, that. I've emailed people about trying to get my hands on that. Because I want the whole game. You want the whole game. I'd lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to watch that game from the start. Wendell Clark is in that game. Yeah, I know. That's it was right at the bitter end, eh? I would love to watch that game from fucking opening puck drop to the finish because I firmly believe, and this is only based off of my slight memory of seeing the game at 13 years old, 13 in a couple months, and, well, a little bit of that mixed with the amount of times I've watched that fucking highlight. And I've already talked about it on the podcast probably two or three times. I fucking love it, and I'm probably going to watch it again tonight. It's just so amazing. It's so amazing. Bob Cole, it was his best game. That's what I was going to say. I firmly believe that that game was Bob Cole's best broadcasted game ever in his career. Well, some of the, the most ever. memorable calls definitely are some of those big Sunday for games, playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, that's our, that's our emotional attachment. Um, some more things related to do with officiating and uh, refereeing and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure you saw Brad Marchand doing Marchand things last night. Uh, pop buddy in the head, who's on his knees, no less, too, just goes up and gives him a I saw it. tap in the back of the head. I've and, got like, opinions. and he tries to squirrel away and do the like, oh, it wasn't me. Like, maybe I don't know what he was thinking, but he was very like, it was very obvious too, and if you watch his body language going into it, how you know obviously premeditated it yeah, was. Yeah, of course. Too. So where are you on that? Where am I on that? I would. I said it. I tweeted out yesterday. I'd be shocked if he was suspended one game, and we found out today that there was no supplemental discipline. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a two-minute penalty, and they did, and they missed it. That's 
that's what it is, you know. And and I I, I understand the outrage because it's Brad Marchand. We all want yeah, to see yeah, the yeah. book get thrown at Brad Marchand because he's a rat. He's I I commented you know? on I commented on Facebook that it was a that it was a two minute penalty at best. And yeah. and I and I sincerely mean at best because yeah, he didn't a lot pull, of that shit doesn't get called anyways. He didn't throw a haymaker at the guy. He you know you I mean he bopped him. He bopped him in That's the back the word. of the head. He bopped him, and it was more like. Being a dick, not being a violent, yeah, being a asshole. Dick. Sort there of you thing. go. Take yeah. that. Exactly. It's being a dick, and it's it's uh, some in the regular season he might have got a fine for that. Someone brought after I after I commented that it was a two two minute penalty at best. Someone uh, responded and 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 brought up the Cody Eakin play. They're like, yeah, well, Cody Eakin barely even touches a guy and gets five games. And I was like, okay, but I don't even understand. I don't understand the correlation between these two events. And yeah, like, everyone's like you just said. Everyone's just angry because it's Marshawn, et cetera, et cetera. If it was someone else, you wouldn't be looking at it. Everyone's everyone's bringing up the fact that it's a repeat offender and all that. Well, stuff. it's and the I, playoffs I, too, so there's I'm a lot of magnification. Yeah, I'm not throwing that out the window. I'm just saying, like, fucking relax, man. Like, yeah, if, relax. If he actually cross-checked him with his stick, I don't care how hard it was. I don't like that. No, I'm thinking about that because now you're actually utilizing your stick. That's like terrible. I said, it was. He did something irritating. It wasn't yeah. dangerous, but it's it's because of what it was. Because it was, you know, a blow to the head, and it was. From you know, in the back of his head, you know, I can I understand why people get worked up about stuff like that. But like that type of shit happens all the time, you know, mostly during the play though. Of yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not de- fucking defending Marshawn in the least bit. Yeah, you like, are. Like, no, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> saying that he doesn't have to. Get, like, it's not a suspendable play. It just isn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so hey, my fucking voice just got a lot clearer. I just do you hear that in your mic in your head in your head <laughs> your mic you hear that? yeah I hear that okay listen so now that I feel more comfortable uh, how did you feel about the uh, so this the, whole time you didn't feel comfortable no I haven't felt comfortable at all so well other than I'm in my jammies because so like because you messed with the knobs I'm too in much my John Tavares pajamas um what what do you think about the Dell dime <laughs> oh my god man <laughs> what is it three in a row. Yeah, three. Yeah, three in a row because well, two during the play, and then the final, the final one was like that fucking Neymar guy from the soccer. Yeah, the last one was really bad. Oh my um, God. I know it was the two consecutive ones though, right? Where he got yeah. up and like, and the I saw, one was really I saw bad. what he was doing there. It was basically like, I'm sick of getting cross checked. Like, are you not seeing this getting cross checked? But obviously, he was seeing it. The play was right there. And after the first time of you going down in a heap, like there's no way he's call he's not going to call it. He would have called it the first time, and because going, he did the exact same kind of reaction yeah, the second time. And going down in a heap isn't going to get you anywhere, anyways. Like if anything, I mean, it's you're kind of in a lose lose situation. But if I'm Essa Lindell there, I'm probably giving him the old fucking arms in the air don cherry well, where's the yeah. call well, yeah, and then like, if i make eye contact i make eye contact with that ref and i'm looking for the call and he's probably going to be like no no so you know what i'm going to do then i'm a cross check i'm a cross check motherfucker again yeah i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get it you know i'm pissed oh, i'm pissed like i'm gonna fucking get you too man now we're probably both going so yeah. you're in a lose-lose situation but it's either take it and realize that there's no fucking call and you know what dude get a number Get a number and give him a hack on the legs. Next I guess time. so. And you, you know what? If you want the referees to to have any, you know, iota of fucking sympathy towards you, you gotta you gotta communicate with them, and you gotta communicate with them. Human beings, they don't like fucking diving, and the main reason why is because you're trying to make them look stupid. They take offense to it, and as they should. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, and they, a lot of them have been burned by it over the years too. And it's like you're making me look stupid. Like you don't want to. You'll you get no sympathy, and that shit carries over. They don't forget that stuff either. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, where are we going next? Listen, I wanted to ask you. I don't know if we're like there or not or if I'm fucking up the show prep, but what's your like favorite series right now? I know we kind of breezed over it, but I wanted to ask you like specifically, like which one are you like really pumped if you have the time? I know, I know that you're not necessarily, and I'm kind of the same way. Of course, I've been moving and everything, but like last night and tonight, I'm really excited for tonight. I'm already excited for you to get the fuck out of here because I can't <laughs> wait to start watching the hockey because I can really zone in on it. Like I can get, 
I can get my eyes right and, and zone in. Yeah. I'm going with the San Jose. I Colorado. think the San Jose yeah. Colorado series it's just because so of the good. level of talent and the, the types of players we get to see in that. Unfortunately, because of the timings of the games, it, it hasn't really worked out for me watching a lot. But yeah, it's true. definitely one I've been probably paying the most attention to. And I'm sure that... Um, you know, I think it's also been getting a lot of airplay just because the, like I said, the superstar talent involved. I'll also tell you a huge variable as to why it's my favorite, Chris Cuthbert. Oh, he's doing the commentary. Chris Cuthbert for NBC. Yeah, Chris Cuthbert cool. on the call with Brian Boucher uh, between the benches and Eddie Olchek. I believe I could be wrong on that one, but it's just a phenomenal crew working that series and like. When McKinnon tied it up, it was so sick. I had just finished putting the putting the the sheets on the mattress so I could go to sleep, and it was however much time left. I think there was only seven or eight minutes left, and I just started watching it. And then they score, and I was excited. And then fucking Couture score. I was excited for overtime. That's why I was excited because I just got the bed ready. I was gonna prop myself up, fucking probably have a dip uh, during the overtime, maybe game a little because I just got my Xbox set up. Nice. No. Couture stole that show away from me, and I had to just go to bed like some sucker. <laughs> but yeah, really exciting. So you're yeah. you're you're in that boat as well. Eh? I hope maybe you'd been like really tied into the Carolina Islanders. No, but I tied into the Raps a little bit. Oh, I've, I've, okay. It's, the only no. time I watch like I'll like actually make a point of watching basketball. Anyways, usually in the playoffs, and uh, I've been keeping an eye on them. I mean, Kawhi putting on a show there and. I don't know if we've talked about Kawhi Leonard at all on the show, but he's like one of my favorite sports people just because of his attitude and the way he conducts himself. Okay. Like he's just, he's almost too perfect. You know, he's not, and you know, you see in that, in basketball, there's a lot of big egos, guys making shit tons of money, have pissy attitudes, think they fucking run the team. And this guy just shows up, does his job and he's quiet and he's down to earth. Guy's got a fucking New Balance sponsorship. Sponsorship, like, what does that tell you, dude? Like, High socks, man. The guy is just—I <laughs> don't know. He just seems like a cool dude, and he, he's—you know—he's putting on quite a show in the playoffs. But uh, Danny Lee had enough time to save fifteen percent on car insurance. <laughs> Danny Bef- Green before or was it? Was that his name? Danny Green before he hit before he missed that open three. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Were you watching? Yeah, yeah. That Danny. was Danny Green, right? Yeah, Danny Green. Yeah. Like I'm telling you. Yeah. He was all alone, and I don't even—I don't even basketball. Okay, I do not. Basketball. I don't basketball. <laughs> I don't basketball, and they dished it, and I was like tie game, like a hundred percent tie game. He got all squared up and everything. He was so alone. Yeah. But you know what was weird, dude? Like again, I can't stress enough the fact that I do not know anything about basketball. I mean, I—I I understand the rules. I do. I just don't follow it. I'll watch the playoffs because I will watch anything that's in the playoffs because it's fantastic. But like they dished it over and he was so open. However, and maybe he has an awkward release. You might be able to speak more to that because again, like I said, when he shot it, he looked not comfortable. It did not look like a good shot. It did not well, look like a good these shot. These guys often know as soon as they shoot the ball whether it's going in or not. So it, you can tell by the body language almost in their shooting. But even the way he went up for it, like he oh, yeah. he went, I thought he went awkwardly forward into the when he could have just like even bounced it once and fucking set up shop and just drilled it like you yeah. do every day. Maybe he's just maybe was feeling the pressure for the big big shot, gripping the ball a little yeah. too tight. I don't know enough to comment on his on his uh, execution or his form, but but did you see you saw the shot obviously right? Yeah, do well you know I was what I'm and I was about? a little I was a little bit out of the out of the game too mentally just because they were behind for a good portion of it and you could tell they weren't having their best night. I only tuned in like maybe. 48 seconds before. Well, and that's the time to tune in. You still got a good half hour of basketball left. One of the main reasons I can't exactly. watch that game. Yes, I agree. I yeah. totally agree. Um, just quickly here, um, OHL finals are coming up. 67's been absolutely tearing it up. Uh, Ty Felber, obviously a big part of that. 10 goals, 11 assists, and 12 games with multiple overtime winners so far in Three consecutive sweeps on their way to the OHL finals. That's so, insane. Good luck to the 67s, and uh, I really hope that they they win their way out and and uh, head off to the Memorial Cup. Because um, we'll also have some local content in the Memorial Cup as well. Because uh, Patrick Kite uh, for the uh, host Halifax Mooseheads will be 
uh, at the Memorial Cup as well. So nice. you could see a couple of Pembroke lads facing off there. Where is the Memorial Cup? Halifax. Oh, right. So oh, yeah, yeah, you just Halifax said it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Keep up, man. Yeah, sorry. Keep I was, up. I was literally Googling it. Anyway, do you want to bitch about um, NHL award nominees, or do you just want to get into a little bit of the post-season uh, leaf shit and wrap uh, it up? I don't know, man. I'm so over the awards. I don't care about the heart. The Good, heart I don't care either. The heart is the worst trophy in sports. Well, I, 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 and I believe, I hope I get this right, but I, um, the best reaction I saw to the heart nominees who were Crosby, McDavid, and Kucherov, um, I believe came from a tweet from friend of the show, Laura Duarte, who pointed out that so for the first time, uh, all Hart nominees did not play in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Which was a huge burn. But let me let me go further into that because that's the first thing that came to my mind. So this exactly. Why in the world can we nominate Connor McDavid this year when he didn't make the playoffs? But when we didn't nominate him last year, it was strictly because he didn't make the playoffs. Well, and that was literally the reason. I don't know if that was strictly the reason, but that was definitely the narrative. That was all I read. And that's always, that's always a big part of it. But I, I didn't hear anyone point. I, I didn't read any of the voting members who do publish their votes saying, I didn't vote for Common or McDavid because he did not make the playoffs. So Yeah, but it's just widely known that... Was he nominated last year? No, that's what I'm saying. Was he, he wasn't nominated, nominated okay. last year when he didn't have a 100-point guy in Leon Dreisaitl. Now, this year, he has a 100-point guy. Yeah. So why does he get nominated this year? If anything, it was definitely last year when he was all by himself. I would like to see the stat comparison because I know this year he factored in over 50% of their goals, which probably um, I think was very well publicized and might have um, been a big influencing factor in some of the voting uh, in terms of the nominees. But um, any big snubs for you? I mean, I'm just going to point to McKinnon personally, but... Yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, but that's why I that's why I would much rather win the Lindsay. We've already talked about this before when we did awards. Right, right. I would much rather win the Lindsay because the the Lindsay tells me who the fucking best player in the world is. Who's the best player in the world? I want to know, guys. And they all tell me, and they always get it right. The players always get it right. Yeah, if you look back on it, yeah. Every year, the Lindsay Award winner, and it used to be called something else. I can't remember right now. I feel terrible about it because I do know. But anyway, who That's cares? That's not important. It's always the best player from that year. And yeah, you know what? It's usually an offensive player, like as in like a forward. Well, you got to put up points to be the best player, right? You got to do a lot of something to be the best player. And over 82 games, unless you're a goaltender winning 60 plus of, of them, right? Which isn't going to happen. Or you're the other guy that's just putting the puck in the net 60 times or 55 mm-hmm. times. Like you're going to be the team's most valuable player. You're going to be the league's most valuable player. And I think Kucherov would probably fill that fill that ballot. Uh, uh, you know, for for me this year, which which I like because it's not definitely Connor McDavid's. Even though I think it probably should go to Connor. Yeah, I think there's a good chance it's heading heading to Kucherov. I think it's hard not to give it to him this time around. Uh, I guess in regards to the other awards too. I mean, the Vesna, who cares because it's not Freddie, right? Yeah, it was never going to be Freddie. It was, it was, it was looking like it could have been. It could have been, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's March. Somebody pointed out. I don't know if it was McKenzie or, or Ferraro. Somebody pointed out on TSN that they figured it was March might have taken him out of the running. Um, I think the bigger snub from a Leaf perspective is definitely got to be Riley. Uh, no nomination even on the Norris. Um, maybe the the one guy Victor Hedman might be the, someone I'd point to anyway that I'm a little surprised he got nominated considering the year he had now I think my recency bias and all that my head's a little skewed because I saw him get absolutely dominated in the playoffs yeah, but but he could have been injured or whatever right and he was injured off and on this se- this season yeah. as well the Norris is the Norris has almost exclusively had to do with a bit of a popularity contest, I think. That in offensive production, which I feel Riley definitely filled that aspect. I of just the, wish the criteria. they would. I just wish that they would split it up, man. Like, just, yeah, we did talk about Fox, this about split it up. Get a no uh, offensive defenseman. Who, who who was James Norris? What was he good at? Was he good? at I don't know. That's the other thing. Can we please change, change the names it. of the, some it's, of these it's trophies? It's time to make two of them. Make I it. don't think we need trophies named after guys who played during the war anymore. Make like, a Bobby Orr and a fucking Nicholas Lidstrom if you have to. 
Yeah, sure. I'll take it. Right? Like, I don't know. That's That might be a... People might be like, Nicholas Edstrom. I don't know. Whoever the fucking best defensive defenseman... Best shutdown D-man of all time. Best defensive D-man ever. Like, Rob hit Blake you, award. fight you. Chris yeah. Pronger award. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> he was just a, rough. You know? Name an award after Chris Pronger. But he was Pronger. just rough. We're talking like total defensive... Well, I mean, if Chris Pronger was... Yeah, was shut down, you know. And then you give the Bobby Orr trophy. Or about Niedemeyer. And then, man, I'm telling Jeez, you, like, if you're, if if you're able to win both awards, then you no, are then you're the, king. the fucking, yeah. like, best D-man in a while. Period. That's uh, the unanimous best defenseman in the NHL. If you, D- win the, if you win the offensive and the defensive yeah, award. A D-man hasn't won both awards yeah. since 2024. Like, that's what they should be talking about in 2058. Because uh, if you it think about it, too, awards. there are multiple awards for forwards and essentially one defense-specific trophy. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? I hate the awards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along. never man. win. Glad we talked about anyway, that. Anyway, on to the Leafs, things that matter more. <laughs> okay. Um, and we, I know we said we we're going to kind of down with the Leafs. Yeah, Leafs are out. Now Leafs talk. Um, obviously, there's going to be intermittent Leafs talk, but not obviously a huge segment dedicated towards it. But a couple stories did come out because the Leafs did their end-of-year press availability. Kyle Dubas speaking to the media and basically saying that everything in the world is my fault. And I know what the wasn't that fuck, weird? Man. I, okay, he, so the I, weirdest thing was the power play. Or I said the penalty kill that he took respons- personal responsibility he for took that. Responsibility for everything, and uh, the reason why I like it is because it goes Shan- it goes the owners, then it goes Shanahan, then it goes Dubis, then it goes everybody else. So I understand that. I think at the end of the day, the fact that he did that is going to bode well for him in the evaluations like when shanahan calls him into the office and they have a face-to-face evaluation kyle is going to be decked out with this that and the other thing things that we don't even know and then at the end he won't have to say it it won't even have to be mentioned but shanahan will appreciate the fact that he took ownership he didn't ask any questions he didn't even give any answers let's go he just took responsibility for it i thought that was interesting and i i really it was smart from a pr standpoint because the, he knew the the pitchforks or the knives are being sharpened. You could say for Babcock, and that there was a lot of stories coming into that day surrounding Babcock. So he really tried to keep the focus on him and not on the coach, and that was the the good thing that he did. Now, but the other interesting thing was, and he also had a way of deflecting this a little bit, but he had not essentially guaranteed Mike Babcock was going to return. I mean, he. Um, Deferred to what they called, the, you know, their evaluations, right. internal evaluations. You know what? But he also said, "I'm going to be evaluated yeah. as well." Like he again deflected that to himself. Um, but in saying that, and I, I Chris Johnson um, talked about this. Uh, he was on Dangle's podcast, and he had mentioned that he thinks there's going to be some pretty significant changes this summer. I agree. Um, obviously, we have the free agents to take care of, but you know, I think last summer was more of a. a, a Changes behind the scenes, right? A lot of staff change with Dubas coming in. Um, you know, getting that Tavares thing done was a huge thing. But yes, now we're going to see like, okay, we're really going to see him put more of a footprint on this team. Um, and, you know, we speculated enough about the coaching situation. But I thought the pressure was pretty interesting just for for those reasons alone. And I know sometimes it's hard to read into the sound bites we get from coaches, management, players, because they don't give a shit. But we do have to take a a hard look at what they are saying, especially at these pivotal moments to kind of glean what we can. So let me just, now that we're on the blue, let me just ask you, or let me just tell you, sorry, what, what, what I think, or I guess I am asking you a question. Why, why don't they just give Mitch what he wants? You know, whatever he says, try and shave off a couple of hundred grand because you're, you're in every commercial that there is on television. So give him whatever he wants, Lesko, and then get rid of anyone that's costing you money. Bring Sheldon Keith in and bring up the players that he wants to bring up from the Marlies that he coaches, and then he can coach current Marlies for the Leafs, as well as the fucking unbelievable core that we still have intact. It's still there. The bones are still there. The meat is rotten. Get rid of it and implant something that grows new meat on those bones. And I think that is cheap and cheerful contracts from entry-level deals coached by Sheldon Keefe, a fresh perspective 
built around creativity and motivation. Like guys want to go through fucking brick walls for Sheldon Keefe and it will only continue in the NHL. And how many guys on our roster are going to be that upset that Babcock is gone? How many? Maybe two? I'm not sure. Marlo and JT? I think those those exit interviews are really going to uh, dictate... Um, the evaluations that ma- upper management does uh, on the coaching yeah, staff you mean with the and players, personnel. Right? Yeah, the yeah. interviews with the players. Yeah, because agreed. You have to think there's going to be some questions surrounding the coaches. Uh, this is Kyle Dubas's first exit interviews, right? So he wants to get a feel for for everything. And and there's a lot of aspects of this team still that he did not put in place and contracts he didn't sign and staff members he didn't sign. So you have to think, and the guy being as thorough as Kyle Dubas is, He's doing a top to bottom evaluation of everything. Now whether or not he he's going to, you know, make really drastic changes, I'm not sure because I also know that Caldew is a patient guy. Yeah, and, right? and and to be patient is to be smart, right? The mm-hmm. intelligent thing is to is is to take your time and make decisions the right way. Yeah. But here's the big thing though, and I said this to my buddy who um, you know, Hendy, he does not believe what I believe at all. Like he thinks the exact opposite. There's no fucking way that Babcock should go. He should stay. We have debates over this. The last time we talked about it, he says to me, I don't want to talk to you about this. Let's talk about, let's talk about something else, you know, because yeah. I get all fired up. But the thing is, is like, it's what I said to him. And I, I didn't even really think about this until we, I was typing furiously. I think we were texting back and forth. And I said, here's the thing though. If Shanahan's evaluation of Dubis is all clear, all systems go green light special, that means it's go. It's green light special. And what is the green light menu right now? Sheldon Keefe. That's the menu because they're fucking boys. It's been the plan all along, man. It's been the plan. And the chance to do it is now because if they don't do it now, when do they do it? Probably. Is he is he coming back on a short lease? What's what's a short leash to you? They can do it, you know. They can do it next year. Now, I was looking for another this the year other day. of failure, though. Well, that's the thing is we don't know that for one and oh, for well, two. We have a pretty fucking good. Uh, well, now don't go don't go there and already start assuming that we're not going to do anything good no, next year. No, so. that's not what I said. The team is going to be fantastic. The team will probably be in the top five in the no, NHL. No, you said they're going to have a failure. So I asked you season. and wait for another failure and wait for it to potentially happen right. and wait for deployment to be another I, issue. It's been I, an issue since 2016. But you noticed that he made a lot of stress on on learning and growing and basically without directly saying it that Babs is going to have to adapt and change and I think or I can be at peace with the coaching situation and I I did mention this last show when we did get really into it was that I can I think I think he should be the assistant coach next year and I think that's something that they would do like from a and from a realistic standpoint assistant coach in charge of what I don't know what they would put Bob him in Cook charge of. Bob Cook is a fucking dictator. I, I know. I, I don't know what they would put him in charge of particularly, but that would be part of the growth, the change. Like I, At the end of the day, Kyle Dubas believes in continuous change, improvement, diversification, all that shit. So if Mike Babcock isn't willing to change, that's not going to fly. And if he's not willing to take some, uh, some influence from a new age coach or however you want to define Keefe, then he's he's not going to stick around. Yeah, but that's my question. Right? Then, there's so a, you're going to wait fill- until the playoffs, until the the moment comes where you have to see 24 fucking minutes from Austin Matthews tonight, and we get 1756. There's you, gonna there's gonna have to be a uh, an openness to, to to change, right? It's and, his call at the end of the day. It's it is absolutely that's what I worry but, about. But there's going to have to be like you know like like he said, there's going to have to be. There's going to have to be adaptation, right? There has to be continuous improvement and continuous change. It's just strange to me. I feel I feel like uh, it's weird, man. I haven't really, again, I haven't talked about it a whole lot. We talked about this last week so that we could kind of talk freshly about it. As every day seems to go by, I personally seem to, for some reason, I don't know. It's not that I'm reading things or hearing things. I just, I almost talk myself into it being more and more of a, of a, of a firing it's coming of a realistic because as soon as as soon as like let's say let's say shani evaluates dubis and it's it's dubis is the gm in all of its capacity as opposed to okay kyle is the gm 
to 90% capacity, but there are things that he will have to run through. Well, the they already CEO. confirmed recently that he has absolute authority to dismiss them without appro- uh, having approved by the board. Well, then then there you go. Yeah, but, so but, he but ha- there's still so he has the power to, to do coming. so. Exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, it's, it's hard to say whether anything happened. And like I said, if nothing changes, I will not be surprised. The surprising thing will be if he gets fired. Do it, Kyle. For sure. And you look at and you look at the body of work, and we did talk about this a little bit last episode, is that there's many positives to take from the season as well and, and what the guy's done with the hockey team. But obviously in the big moments when there's little things, those things get magnified, yeah, did, and especially by us hardcore fans. Did right? you read Babcock's letter? Or, um, sorry, uh, Dangle's letter? I did not get okay. into that. Actually. So the only, the only thing that was worthy for me to take away from it was that was that it's very important to thank Mike Babcock for what he has done to the culture. Right, right. And that's what I've always said. Babcock was brought in to instill a good, hardworking, winning culture. And it was extremely important. It was. Yeah. It was. But... I just think the shtick is over. It's that that time is over. We now have talent. Yeah. We have to unleash it. And let's go. When I watched um, the not not the last game between St. Louis and Dallas, but the two games ago, there was like nine minutes to go, and all I fucking saw was Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Alex Radulov. Non-stop. Yeah. Non-fucking-stop. Yeah. They took like forty-five second shifts, and then they were back over the boards. Uh, the the broadcast went to a commercial. Guess who was on the ice when they came back from commercial? Yeah, you're damn right. I don't know. That's how it should be. Well, I don't know if you noticed in the playoffs, but I did notice. I didn't pay attention to it a lot. I wish I monitored it, uh, but I didn't. I noticed a lot of times we came back from commercial break and he wasn't on there. No, I always found that surprising. I actually, another time I was yelling about the deployment, the ice time was like, how the fuck coming off a commercial break and Friday the goats out there. What the fuck? It's crazy. Like if Cassidy is going to throw his fourth line out after the fucking commercial break, well then I'm definitely throwing Matthews over there because we're going to fucking score. Oh no, we better line match. match. We got to make sure we don't get scored on. Yeah. But yeah, we got to be patient and just wait and see what happens. But uh, like I said, I, I think the surprising thing will be if there is actually a, a drastic change and uh, things don't continue on uh, the way they are. But um, one thing that is going to have to change is, uh, you know, the willingness, I think, for the coaching staff to take uh, inputs from, uh, you know, all these people they hire to do all this number crunching and find out ways to maximize uh, the player usage situations. Uh Quick note, I guess, on uh, Zach Hyman there. We found out shortly after that he tore his ACL during the playoff series. Uh, Funniest part about the story is that he was asked by the coaching staff how he was feeling um, a couple games later, and he said, oh, yeah, I think it's getting better. And then they found out after, because he did not have an MRI, I guess, right away. Somehow he avoided that. How do you play on that? I have no idea how he played any hockey whatsoever. I know and he wasn't great and like he in but he still showed up and he had little flashes of himself. He was on the ice but when Matthew, the, he when Matthew scored a big goal. Yeah, big how, shocker. How the fuck do you how do you play on that? I have no that's idea. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like that's that's pretty risky shit, man. Like I can't I can't believe he did that, and it just shows you it goes to show you the kind of guy he is, He's right? He's probably not even gonna be ready for the start of next season. Uh, no, it's, it's six months, they said. Yeah. yeah. So, again, another opportunity for uh, Marley to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Here comes Jeremy Bracco. It and sounds like... Uh, Sheldon's got him on the power play. Yeah, it, I, I I did tune in. This is the only time I really do tune in to some prospect stuff, but in the offseason, um, another interesting tidbit there was that they signed uh, their second rounder from 2016, Igor Korshkov, to an entry-level deal. Kid's been playing in the K for about five years. He's twenty-two, I think, twenty-three yeah. years old. Yeah, Cody. Yeah. Cody was talking about him when we had Cody on. Yes, yeah. So he's a, he's a big boy there. He's six-four. <laughs> Cody and the Seagulls, yeah. yeah. And uh, he looks like. Um, yeah, I, I think they got him on a PTO right now, so they don't burn a, a year of his entry level. But okay. um, not sure if he's a guy who can compete for a spot necessarily. We'll have to see what the makeup of the roster is going next year, and if there are going to be changes, if that's going to be changes to free up spots or bring in guys. But is he being injected into the lineup right away? He'll be playing for the Marlies, I think, in their series. They're starting yeah. tonight against uh, Cleveland after sweeping Rochester in the first round. So. Yeah, because one of our uh, another friend of the show, Mark Vanderluke, uh, in one of those Leaf groups, and I mean, he loves this guy. 
Like it's his guy. It's interesting because I looked at his stats; they're not overwhelming, but I guess he's shown like he's shown some good flash and like a lot of um, developable. Eh, that's not the right word to use, but uh, skills that could be honed. I guess to an NHL I like level. Developable. He, de- that's the word I tried to say, and I was I like halfway it. through saying I didn't think it was real, but developable. Developable. I like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, with developability. <laughs> <laughs> his developability is off the charts yeah fucking hardcore scouting he's basically, talk he's basically like a piece of soft clay yeah <laughs> it was, it was six foot he's six foot four every day every shift right yeah, i know it, that was a weird tidbit we didn't mention but bab's mentioning something along the lines of we got some bigger bodies coming in and you look at the marley's there's not a whole lot of big bodies there outside say uh engvall who plays third line center for them um, right. But, sounds like he's another guy who's been pegged with potential middle six, bottom six, uh, uh, NHL, you know, development curve. Slash but, career AHLer. Well, that's the thing is those, there's lots of guys where you're like, yeah, they project here, but then, that's why they're there. It, there's a certain period of time that goes by and you're like, this guy's going to be here forever. <laughs> he's there. Yeah. He's riding the bus. Old TJ Brennan or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's it, though. I think that's that's all I got on the Leafs right now. Like I'm still wounds are still a little fresh, and um, you know this is a big uh, Columbus Blue Jackets appreciation podcast now. I guess so. Go Jackets! Uh, you know, I just I like I said, I keep coming back to the fans, man. I just I love uh, I love how like they're all standing. Do you like the cannon? Hey. Like the cannon. Yeah, the I like the guy who pretends he gets oh shot by the cannon. God, That's it's cool, so man. good. Yeah. It's so good watching that guy get fucking destroyed. Well, not actually destroyed, but he stands perfectly behind it. For anyone who hasn't seen it, go uh, look it up on YouTube. Um, yeah, buddy, when the cannon goes off, he pretends to get smoked by it. It's amazing. Did you see the 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 meme or the gif or whatever it is, a gif of the guy, and it had Stamkos's face. Like they sh- they photoshopped Stan. Oh, on the on the, and a, and on a, the guy and a, and a Tampa Bay okay, symbol. Okay, nice, 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 well played. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the fucking best thing. Ever. That's good. <laughs> All right, well, are we wrapping it up then? Wrap it up. We, yeah, we're gonna wrap, wrap that up. shit up. All right. Well, it was a good episode, man. And, Great. Uh, feeling a little bit more comfortable here in the new place now that we've got an episode underway. And there's the cat. He's starting to feel a little. This bit place, better. by the way, is like ninety-five percent haunted. Okay, ninety-five percent chance to place on. Okay, that's not cool. But it could be relatives buried, like in the backyard. Listen, the reason why that's not cool is because of two things. One, uh, they used to have funerals here. Oh, so this was a funeral home. Uh, apparently, so you just uh, upped your haunted. Apparently, it wasn't a funeral home. They just hosted funerals. So there okay. might have been like a, there might have been like a so little, like there were side hustle funeral. Well, homes. no, there might have been like a little tiny church right next door or something. Okay. And so, I had funerals so you just upped the likelihood of haunting to 100%. I know, and like, I haven't thought about it once at all since I've been here, except for last night when I came down the stairs. So it's an old farmhouse, and it has that hideaway stairs to the upstairs. That's where I go to get to the bedroom. But I can't turn the light on in the kitchen until I get all the way into the kitchen. So for a few strides, I'm like pitch black. Can't see fuck all. We tell you got a real windy day there, and like this place is going to creak. It, and... it was creaky. That's oh, what I'm yeah. saying. It was pretty creepy, man. But the old it, door slapping around. The good news is is that there was like this nice uh, younger uh, 30-something-year-old nurse that lived here prior for like several years. So there's no fucking way she would have been Did you ask there. her about No, I didn't ask her. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm not going to ask her. Jeez. Is it scary in there? <laughs> All right, uh, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Episode thirty-two. That's a wrap. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. Find us on Twitter at Coleman forty-two at Lesko Adam, and find the show at Puck Pod. Stay tuned. We got lots more coming for you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.